0: Welcome back to Finding Water, our podcast with digital transformation champions, IT leaders who have successfully led a digital transformation. And I'm your host, Lisa Wolf, and today we're welcoming Dean Robeson. Dean is Senior Vice President of Customer Service and Support at ServiceNow, and Dean will share his journey, best practices, and practical advice on how he transformed the customer experience at ServiceNow. Welcome, Dean.
1: Thank you, Lisa. It's great to be here.
0: Dean, before we discuss how you transform the customer experience, please define what you believe to be an outstanding customer experience.
1: Yeah, I think it's pretty straightforward, Lisa. Um, There's no mysticism. There's no alchemy here. I try to be pretty empathetic and understand, you know, if I were a customer and what experience I would want. And I try to impart that to the rest of my team or think through that with the rest of my team. So delivering an outstanding customer experience for me, it's got to answer some, some pretty critical questions. Is the customer delighted? with that interaction with your company? Did they get the help that they were seeking? So they're not lost, they're not wandering around, they actually got what they were looking for. Could they do it quickly? Was it effortless? Um, Were we able to go above and beyond that original request and give them that maybe that one extra step of value that they weren't expecting? And when I think about transforming the customer experience, I think about pulling all this together and how we dazzle, delight, anticipate, and make it easy to do business with ServiceNow.
0: What was the customer experience like before you started transforming it and what is it like today?
1: Well, I have to say it it was good. You know, I inherited a very very strong team, but I could also tell and probably you know the reason I was hired, it could improve, it could scale better. It could meet the demands of a company growing past $10 billion in revenue. And at the time that I joined, we were throwing bodies at our customers, you know, and that doesn't necessarily scale well. It can be really, really costly. You get a lot of handholding, you get a lot of people helping, but I don't know if you were getting that dazzling delight, if you were getting all the action that you needed out of us. So I had the team focus on a few critical capabilities right out of the gate. One of them is actually building out our self-service capabilities so customers could solve problems themselves. I'm one of them, like I'm, I'm a farmer. Um, I have a John Deere tractor. I don't necessarily, every time I need service for that John Deere, something's not as, you know, working quite right. I'm not gonna run it down to the John Deere deal, you know, you know, service center dealership and have them work on it. I'm gonna go watch a YouTube video and try to figure out how to, how to you know, fix it myself and frankly, that's the way our customers like to work with us is they want to fix it themselves and get right back in the fight. I want to use more of our out-of-the-box customer service product capabilities from ServiceNow versus building something very custom. Our platform is incredibly flexible, but our product team is incredibly smart and innovative. And if I could lean on that product team building more and more capabilities versus us building something custom or the IT team building something custom, that would scale as well and also be a very valuable showcase for our customers to see how our products can be utilized. So leveraging that innovation momentum from our product teams was kind of the the cornerstone there. Then I'm a big fan of knowledge-centered service. Building a great knowledge base that allows our support engineers to solve problems faster and allowing our customers to use that knowledge to solve problems for themselves that's a great way to scale, a great way to get things done just just quickly, more efficiently and effectively. And then last, I, and this is really for me one of the, the big lessons I've learned along the way, enhancing the employee experience. And for me, you know that critical employee is the technical support engineer. You want to be able to give them great career paths, excellent training, good productivity tools. If they're going to be happy and productive, that smile on their face, you know, day in and day out is inevitably going to spill over to our customers and make our customers even more successful. So for me, really focusing on that employee experience is probably one of the most important elements of all. So we've improved in all of these areas. And I think our key metrics show that.
0: It sounds like your team's made great progress in a very short time. But let's go back to the beginning just for a minute, because with any transformation, one of the critical success factors is to get stakeholder buy-in early and often. Did you have this problem? And if so, how did you get that stakeholder buy-in?
1: It's a great question, Lisa. I agree. Anytime you go through a change or transformation of any sort, you need to bring your stakeholders along with you. You need to get that buy-in. There's no reason doing any level of transformation if you're just doing it on your own and not impacting others. So getting that buy-in, you know, very effectively early on in that transformation, I think, is critical. Um, and there are a few things I needed to do to focus on getting that buy-in and, and bring those stakeholders along. SourceNow is a big fan of data. Uh, we're a very data-driven culture. Hope and prayer are not typically good strategies of this company. Um, so yeah. gathering your facts and figures and making sure everything kind of ticks and ties is pretty important. So the, the business case, in other words, ha- has to be sound. Identifying your stakeholders. Don't leave anybody behind. Make sure that you're you're addressing everyone. And even if a particular stakeholder isn't being directly impacted, just looping them in, communicating, making them aware also helps with that buy-in and, and definitely smooths things for the future. And then I think a really critical part in this is finding that nugget of value for each stakeholder, or clearly setting the expectation that they're not going to get any value. Friction will be created, just you know, really setting the expectations for those stakeholders to let them know what they're getting or what they're not getting. Versus kind of wandering in the dark and not understanding anything. So let them know something of value is coming to give them hope. Bottom line, you just got to be clear, open, straightforward, no hidden agendas. Communicating a lot on an ongoing basis is going to be critical.
0: Once you had buy-in, Dean, how did you approach, approach the transformation itself? And how long did it take? <laughs>
1: Lisa, I'm sure you're learning through these uh, podcasts, you know, delivering on a transformation, and in this case, delivering an outstanding customer experience, it's not a one and done thing. There's there's no end state to this. Um, a support transformation, a transformation to customer experience, it's a journey. It's definitely not a destination because the bar is constantly getting reset um, as expectations are Always evolving and changing. As such, I think party effort is setting that long-term vision. Um, so you have a, a you have a north star. You've got a place that you know you're taking everybody to, and it's got concrete kind of achievable milestones along the way. And that way, you know if you're on course or not. Um, so people that are along that journey with you, they know if they're making progress or if you're behind, if you're successful or if you're not. And those customer expectations they're, they're always evolving. There's always competition or something that somebody is innovating or coming up with. So the bar is always going higher. And therefore, that North Star is going to change a little bit evolve over time. And you always have to communicate the course corrections. In addition, the underlying technologies we have available to us are also evolving rapidly, the integration points to other systems are always evolving. And so for me, I try to keep our team and all of our stakeholders focused on three primary goals. And, and this was kind of the North Star I always used. One, we are building for the future and it's got to scale. You know, today's you know little thing that we're trying to solve might not be so critical in the future. So yeah, we've got a quick workaround for this, but we're building something that we know we're gonna to need to use well in, into you know, our future endeavors. Number two, defining that customer experience and delivering on that customer experience. The customer is who we're here to serve. And so really laying it out for them is like, how are we gonna make it better for them? And then last but not least, that item I mentioned before, Elisa, is the importance of that employee experience. Um, and so making sure for me, that's you know job number one, that if you're building that great experience for the support engineer, that will spill over into everything else and make all of the other activities even better. So some of our recent milestones included launching a virtual agent and adding new conversations into that agent each quarter. So it's smarter, more responsive and really meeting the needs of our customers in the moment. Um, Launching a mobile solution for our customers to stay connected with us wherever they may be. Uh, They could be sitting on the couch watching uh, television um, and they're still connected with their mobile device to the updates in their cases, which is kind of cool. And then, last, improving our email communication templates to improve clarity in the actions we wanted our customers um, to take routinely. We weren't doing that very well, so we just we want to improve those email communication templates.
0: So, in addition to the milestones that you just outlined, how else do you measure your success today?
1: Yeah, it's it's a multi-dimensional scorecard, um, and it gives us confidence on all of these elements to know that we're on track or not. Um, So customer satisfaction, um, number one, like, what are they telling us? What are the responses to those surveys? And then most importantly, be able to dive in if anybody's dissatisfied to take the corrective action so we don't make that mistake again. Uh, But we measure something called time to relief. In other words, how fast does it take us to get a workaround back into the customer's hands so they can get back and be operational? We may need to spend a little bit more time actually resolving the root cause, removing a bug out of the software, whatever it may be. But at least we've provided a workaround and we measure that time back to the customer. We're always constantly trying to improve that so our customers can keep using the ServiceNow platform for their business. For me, number three is super important, and that's an employee voice survey employee engagement score. We take a uh, pulse survey every six months of our employees across the company to find out, you know, how are they feeling? How are they doing? Are they engaged? Um, and that gives me that feedback on that employee experience. You know, are we doing right by them? And then ultimately, I also look at employee attrition. Are people leaving? or Are they staying around? Are they tenured? Are they moving into other roles in service now? Are they growing their career? versus just outright losing them. That's a horrible situation to be in. You spend so much time and effort to train and ramp an employee and get them productive only to have them walk out the door. That's not a good thing. We pride ourselves on having a very low employee attrition uh, score. And then last but not least, cost of support as a percentage of revenue. Um, a pretty standard metric, You know, how efficient, how effective are you? Um, So having that cost of support as a percentage of revenue um, in check as the company grows its revenue, keeping our costs under control means we're doing it effectively, affordably, and efficiently. And that's what I owe our company.
0: Dean, we need to do our next podcast on how you've transformed goat farming. Um, And I'm curious, as a goat farmer... Do you see similarities between goat farming and delivering amazing or what what you refer to as dazzling customer experiences?
1: Well, there aren't too many parallels there. But yes, I I do run a small scale uh, dairy goat farm. We've got about 80 goats, 50 chickens, ducks, pigs, a steer every now and then, dogs and cats. You know, those animals depend on us, you know, our family and running this farm similar to how our customers depend on ServiceNow to deliver great solutions 24 by seven. The environment on the farm is always changing. Um, it can be hot, cold, wet, dry. So keeping those animals safe and healthy requires a lot of planning, preparation, like water, shelter, food, et cetera. Same with our customers. Now, I'm not attending to basic needs of water, shelter, and food for the customers, but I'm definitely attending to their ServiceNow needs. Um, and if we're not focused on it day to day, we're gonna miss something. So we need those primary and backup plans. We need to think through all the contingencies and risks ahead of time, so we aren't caught flat-footed when something goes wrong and we need to support our customers.
0: Thank you so much for sharing your journey with us today, your best practices, and we'll have you back as soon as you have that next batch of goat cheese to share.
1: Well, thank you. I enjoyed it, I look forward to joining you again and I'll bring a goat or two.
0: Thank you for joining today's episode of Finding Water. Please join us in our next episode on digging deeper into transforming IT. So long for now.